You're listening to episode number seven of the Boys Built Better podcast. Today, we're talking about what it's like to raise high school boys. Welcome to the Boys Built Better podcast. I'm Jessica, a mom of three boys who is just trying to do things better. I'm coming to you from Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live with my husband, our boys, and a whole lot of four-legged friends. I'm here to share my thoughts on raising boys in today's world, find answers to your parenting questions, and chat with experts about building happy, healthy boys. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. I am so glad that you're here. Boys Built Better took a little break over the summer. It turns out it was hard to record episodes with everybody home, but my boys are back in school and I'm back to figuring out what's best for them. So today we're talking to my sister, Alexis Karasek, and we're finishing up our series on elementary, middle, and high school aged boys. So let's cut on over to the interview. Hi, Lexi. How are you? I'm good. Jess, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) I am doing good. Before I start asking you questions, um, we're going to do a little icebreaker, which I like to do with everybody. And that is, I want you to tell me something that you are loving right now, whether or not it has to do with being a parent or being a parent of a high schooler, or you have little kids as well, or like totally unrelated to parenting. Is there something that is making you happy? Oh, man. <laughs> I, there's like a million things, but now that you put me on the spot, I'm, I can't even come up with one of them. Um, I have been doing dog training. I've been working with a trainer. That's my dog who has some anxiety and behavioral issues and watching her get better about certain things and knowing that I'm the one who's like changing my behavior to help her behavior and watching it happen is making me very happy right now. I totally get that because uh, we used a dog trainer too, and they made our lives so much yeah. easier. So I think that's an awesome choice. Yes. Yeah. So that's making me very happy. I am interviewing you today to talk about high school, and you're also my sister, so I know yeah. you very well. But for those people listening that don't know you, can you talk a little bit about yourself and your kids so that they kind of get a feeling for who they're listening to? Yeah, I am a mom of three. I have one older kid and two little kids. So my oldest just turned 18. He graduated high school in June. And then my younger two are five and a half and almost three. So I have a little bit of a gap in between. Um, I've got my feet in both ends. I'm in kindergarten and just about to start college, which is really fun and exciting. Um, I'm, I was a working mom when my oldest was much younger and now I'm mostly a stay at home mom. I work just a couple days a week, um, but I'm home a pretty good amount of the time. So I guess that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I do want to talk about that later. I want to talk about high school first, but I do think you okay. probably have an interesting perspective because you have like sort of this adult kid. I mean, he's officially an adult whether or not he acts like that. He's officially an adult. So I feel like you probably do have some unique perspective on like going back and kind of starting from the beginning again. And I totally want to talk about that, but we're going to talk about high school first. So I've been working on this series of transitioning to elementary school, middle and high school. And when it came to high school, I sort of felt like, 
Gosh, in a lot of ways, transitioning to middle school and transitioning to high school is kind of similar, just like in terms of the way the school functions. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, transitioning from elementary to middle school, that's sort of like a whole different ballgame. But high school, a lot of the mechanics are the same. So I decided to ask you to come on because you, like you said, you have a son who just graduated. And I thought that that might be more appropriate for high school because in my mind, and you can tell me in a second if I'm wrong, that high school, like kids entering high school are one, or or I guess still kind of like a kid, and then you're leaving and really an adult. So I feel like those four years represents a whole lot of change. So to do one episode on transitioning to high school probably wouldn't catch it all. Is that true? Yeah, I think looking back, I think there's a huge split in high school really should be divided between the first two years and the second two years. And I would agree the first two years of high school are very similar to middle school. Um, The second two years of high school are very different. And that's how it felt to me. Um, Really, the trend there was, I mean, transition, I wouldn't even use that as as a phrase from middle, middle school to high school. It was just almost like a continuum. I mean, there was very little change there was very little difference in in parenting and scheduling and I mean everything was pretty much status quo from eighth grade into ninth grade the switch the transition in high school I think really is a more gradual transition that starts somewhere around sophomore year and continues into junior year and I think a big part of that too is whenever um like the kids can get a driver's license that was a huge transition at that point so it's less of like a fixed like you're in eighth grade now you go to ninth grade and it's more of like there the needs change and your parenting changes somewhere about the middle of high school so then let's kind of talk a little bit more about that so if you had to say in a few words kind of who your son was starting high school like like what a ninth grader looks like and then kind of switch to what a 12th grader or somebody who just graduated looks like. And I I mean, not just visually, but just sort of like, who was your son going in and who is he now? Yeah, I mean, going in, a ninth grader is very much the same as an eighth grader. You know, you're trying to um, let them sort of start to navigate things on their own or, or really as much as possible navigate things on their own. Um, going from middle school to high school, there's a lot less parent involvement in school. Um, and I think, especially for me, my goal was to pull out of, you know, pull out away from that as much as I could. Obviously, in the early years, there was more of a struggle. I think in the early years of high school, I was more, you know, did you do your homework? Do you have a test? Do you have this? Do you have that? Versus towards the last couple of years of high school was like, as long as you're passing your classes, I don't really care what you're doing. Um, because it's, you're then preparing them to make that transition onto college where, you know, I'm not there to ask if you have a test or if you have homework or if you did your homework. So, um, the first couple of years of high school are just very similar as far as parent involvement. Um, and, and now I, you know, um, my son might be different than other kids, but I felt like socially the first two years of high school are very similar to middle school also, where, he wasn't hanging out with friends all the time. Um, he wasn't, he just didn't socialize very much. He was pretty, pretty much, you know, home most of the time, um, small group activities, one friend coming over or going over to another friend's house, but it was pretty minimal at the time. 
um, it wasn't until like junior year of high school where that social activity got to be huge, you know, to the point where the last couple, you know, last years of high school, like I almost didn't see him. Our running joke in our family was like, does Frankie still live here? Because he was just always out doing things with his friends, especially with the driver's license and all of that. And, um, but that those first couple of years are very similar to middle school, not a lot going on, you know, kind of mostly homebody, um, you know, little, little things with one friend or two friends. Um, but not like, you know, my, my squad, he's got the squad now and the squad is together all the time, 24 seven. So that was a different shift in social activities, um, from the beginning of high school to the end of high school. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else. No, I think that was good. I think you kind of covered both in talking about what, who your son was early. You kind of also compared it to who he was later. So, yeah. um, you've mentioned a couple of times, sort of this shift happening around like the middle of high school, like sophomore, junior year and coinciding with driving, not only your son, but probably all of his friends. Can you talk about sort of that whole thing, learning to drive, getting his license, what that looked like and meant for your family? Oh God, <laughs> it was awful, but wonderful. <laughs> um, that I think learning, teaching a child how to drive, I don't think anyone fully prepared me to, for how hard that is. <laughs> um, no one ever told me how terrifying it is to sit in the passenger seat of a vehicle with someone who has absolutely no idea how to drive a car. So that was awful. Um, I don't even know if I have any advice about that, just about learning how to drive. Just buckle up. I will say, um, but yeah, <laughs> buckle up. Literally and figuratively. School. Literally and figuratively. Hire a driving school and have the driving instructor do as much with them as you can afford. Do as many driving lessons with the professional driving instructor as you can afford before you get in the car with your child. And it'll still be terrifying. But um the other thing too is just that when they have that permit, just drive them all make them drive as much as humanly possible, which is something that we did not do. And I think that hurt him when he very first started driving. When he when we when he had his permit, I just you know, because I have the two little kids, it was just really challenging to get him out and get him driving the car as much as possible. So he, I don't think he drove enough with an adult in the car before he went out and got his driver's license. Now he passed his test. He passed his test on a, oh no, he turned 16 on a Sunday. He took his driver's license test on Monday and passed. And on Tuesday, he crashed and totaled his car. I remember that. (laughs) Um, Now, in hindsight, it was the best thing that could have happened for him. I think it, I think he, going into it, he was a little overconfident. Um, I don't think he really understood, you know, when you're behind the wheel, when things go bad, things go bad in the blink of an eye. And sometimes you have no control over it. So it, I think it sort of <laughs> made him truly realize how serious this is. And I think it's made him a better driver in general. So it was an expensive learning lesson, but it was worth it because he's a much better driver now than he would have been if that hadn't had happened. So, that, yeah. yeah, I mean that, <laughs> and that's it's really interesting. That's why I'm interviewing you for this episode, right? Because 
when you're going through it, when you're going through something like that and your your son wrecks a car two days after he turns 16, like that would feel very stressful for the entire family involved. But it makes sense that that would actually be a good thing in the long run. But it's probably hard to see it when you're in it. And I can imagine that that might be the case with a lot of things in high school. Oh, I mean, it's with everything. And this is what I'm learning now as the mom of a teenager. I've, I've seen things come full circle with one kid and now I'm reliving things with two little kids and it's everything, everything that seems like a mountain at the time, you know, a couple of years later seems like just a little bump in the road. Um, so yeah, that was definitely one of them. And you know what? Crashing a car is not the worst thing. I, you know, it's funny. I tell, I remember when it happened and I was so upset about it and I'm telling this friend and that friend and they're like, Oh yeah, I crashed my car the day I got, Oh yeah, I did it too. Oh yeah. I got a speeding ticket the day I got my license. You know, it happens to everybody. Yeah, I did. I did. You were in the car once when I was a teenager, I had a fender bender too. (laughs) And it probably made me a better driver. I mean, just, you know, it, it probably happens a lot as teenagers. You just hope that they're minor bender benders. Obviously you hope that they're minor too. And, and I think it's something that, especially in high school, you as a parent start to, or you need to wrap your head around the idea that your child's actions and especially mistakes are not representative of you as a person. Um, and I think sometimes as parents, we get too caught up into that. Oh my gosh, he crashed his car and it makes me feel bad. But you know what? Sometimes when you can look at things more objectively and say, you know what? He's a teenager. Teenagers do dumb things and make bad choices. And at the end of the day, it was all for the better because it made him a better driver. Well, I, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that because I actually have this. Uh, I have a few questions down. I want to ask about bad decisions and I want to respect your son's privacy too. So I don't necessarily want you to like talk about all of his bad decisions, but in my mind, as somebody who doesn't have a high schooler, like I feel like bad decisions are inevitable. I made bad decisions when I was growing up. I know you made bad decisions when you were growing up and it's sort of like going to happen and they may, you know, the degree of consequences depend on what the bad decision is, but just sort of like, Can you talk about that sort of, I guess my question is, you kind of already answered it, like it doesn't have to do with you, but how do you support your child through those bad decisions in high school, which are inevitably going to happen? Yeah, you know, in high school is the time where you should, um, and I know it took me a little bit longer in high school, but eventually I kind of came around to the idea that you should really, really, really pull back and just let those bad decisions happen and, you know, hope they're not life altering or costly, but as much as possible, let those bad decisions be made because ultimately if you don't make those bad decisions, you don't learn the lesson that comes from them. You know, a a teenager doesn't learn anything but from being told. You could tell your teenager a thousand times when they're learning to drive, you know, make sure you stop fully and look around the corner before you go but they're not going to really understand the gravity of that statement until they don't look and pull out in front of a car and get into an accident. So um, I'd like to think that those bad decisions are the lessons 
that you learn in life, that you grow. Each bad decision is a step in a staircase that leads you to being a more fully formed adult, capable of making good decisions based on experience rather than just a parent in your ear telling you, don't do this, don't do that. I'd like to think that um, the more you let them make bad decisions on a minor level, the better they'll do when confronted with those kind of decisions on a bigger level. So sometimes I think we race in to save them from these little bad decisions or these little mistakes we race in to, you know, like, oh, don't be late to school. Oh, don't forget your homework. Oh, don't forget to, you know, put a jacket on or, you know, you, you save them from all these little mistakes. And then when it comes time for the big stuff, they have no, you know, no previous experience to base anything on. So I think that's a big part of high school is, um, especially again, from, from the first two years to the second two years is just back off, just back off and let them do what they're going to do. Because ultimately, you know, and I kind of, this was our, my rhetoric all of senior year is all I kept saying was you're going to, you're going to graduate, right? Like you're just, just tell me you're going to graduate. Yeah, mom, I'm going to graduate. Okay. That's all I care. That's all I care. I don't care about it. Like that's it. That's all I care about. Um, so, and obviously in the beginning, you know, freshman and sophomore year, it was a totally different story. Did you do your homework? Do you have anything to study for? Do you need this? Do you need that? You got to, you got to take this class so you can get into this college or take this so you can go to that college or, and by the end of it was like, I don't care. <laughs> not that, not that I don't care, but I don't, and you know, it's not my decision to make. Well, and I think that anymore. at a certain point, and I'm even struggling with this, with my kids and and my oldest is in sixth grade is that there's um, obviously there's a certain amount of parenting you can do as you kind of create this person. But when you get, there's also a part of their personality that's going to dictate like who they're going to become. And sometimes that you like the battle between who you want them to be and who they are is like, at some point you just have to drop your expectations and let them be who they are. Yeah. And I mean, I think I have a really wonderful story when it comes with my teenager, when it comes to that idea of like who you you think they're going to be and who they really are. Um, You know, he was all through middle school and into high school. um, He played water polo and it was great for him. He had great friends. Um, It was the kind of thing that I felt like, oh, he's so busy doing this. He can't get into trouble. This is so good for him. And very disciplined um, and we as parents, you know, we were like fully on board with this. We were at the tournaments every weekend. We were driving, you know, hours and hours for this game and that game. And our, it was our, it was our life. That was, you know, three days a week. I'm driving half an hour, 45 minutes away to take him to practice. And it, this was my life. It was my life. And we loved it. And we really felt like he's so good at this. He can go to college. Like, this is it. This is his thing. This is who he is. And just based on his personality, he sort of like kind of just was over it. You know, he's, um, he was never a superb athlete. He's not a competitive child. He's like, he's just not a competitive person, but he loves playing the sport because he loves being part of a team. He loves camaraderie. He loves the friendships. He loves going to get pizza, all of that. So as he got older, um, the, the sport and the club and his high school that he, he started playing for that they got more and more competitive and he got less and less competitive because it just wasn't his personality. And it finally came to an end, well, you know, came to a, a 
point where he didn't want to do it anymore. And it was really hard for him to come to that conclusion. And I think it took him a long time. It was hard for him to quit. And it was hard for him to tell us that he was quitting because in his mind, this is who we thought he was. He, this is who he thought he was supposed to be. You know, we had put all this pressure. You're so great. You're so great. You're so great. And he felt like he was letting us down because this was our vision of who he was supposed to be. Um, and it was, you know, it was a tough couple of months when he quit. Um, but at the end of the day, it was ultimately, it was his decision. As much as I would, at the time, I would have loved for him to stay. Um, it was his decision and we let him make it. And it was hard, but that was his choice. And halfway through this whole process, at some point, he picked up a, a ukulele. He picked up a ukulele. He taught himself how to play ukulele. And like two months later, he found a guitar floating around the house and he taught himself how to play guitar. And over the course of the next two years, he has turned into this um, just absolutely phenomenal musician. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a gift and it's a talent and it's something that he is so innately good at. And he never knew that because we were just pushing him in one direction because we thought, okay, you're good at this. You're good at water polo. You're good at sports. This is what you should do. And by us sort of forcing that too much, you know, he didn't try other things. And had we as parents been too hardcore about like, no, this is what you have to do. You have to stick with it. You know, he would have missed this opportunity to discover that this part of himself that is amazing and he's so talented and that's what he's going to going to go to school for um he's actually down at his school today doing his registration and everything by himself and <laughs> i think back a lot about like oh my gosh we were so guilty of pressuring him into doing one thing because we felt like that was the right thing to do and now in hindsight i realize like wow we you know we we could have prevented him from discovering this amazing talent that he has um, had we not, you know, had we pushed him too much. I think about that a lot because I know that when your son was in elementary school, he wasn't doing a whole lot. He wasn't that kind of over-programmed kid. You know, he wasn't even playing a lot of sports. And I have one of my kids is like that. He'd rather be at home. And, and I think that as parents we're pushed right now in today to like find them something. And if they're going to be really great at something like, uh, you know, I have a son who started playing, my oldest started playing soccer at four and it's like, well, he better play and he better get on a club team. And otherwise he's never going to be good and he won't play in college. And I think that there's this sort of urgency for us as parents to find what they're going to be good at so that they have something so that they're going to be okay, or they're going to have a career. And there's a lot of pressure placed on parents and kids today to find that. And I love your story because your son found that for himself. And I mean, I have sort of the same kind of story where I remember finding something for myself that I really like to do and I wasn't ever pushed into it. And I have this trouble as a parent of like, Oh God, are they going to find something for themselves? And I mean, really you like your son just did it naturally. And I think that that's, that's an important thing to talk about in high school too is to really let them explore and kind of give them that reign to be who they want to be yeah I think maybe and also maybe it's like a generational thing you know I think they would say like whatever you whatever your parents do for you you do the opposite for your kids and I think a lot of our generation 
of, you know, us as parents, when we were growing up, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Like we didn't do all these competitive sports. We didn't do all these hardcore classes. We kind of just did a little bit of this and a little bit of that and park and rec stuff and called it a day. And then I think now as parents, we're like, no, we have to do more. If they show even an inkling of, of talent in one thing, you got to like sign them up for the, you know, the club team and all of that. And having gone through that one time, that's all fine. But I think ultimately your child's personality should dictate the type of activities that they do. And I know I mentioned it before with, with Frankie is, you know, he's just not a competitive person. He does not have a competitive bone in his body. So these, these sports, like sports, he didn't really enjoy them, but he did love the team camaraderie. So for a while, that was enough to carry him through. Um, but really, he's just not cut out for competitive sports. You know, he's just, he just doesn't have it in him. Versus, you know, I'm sure there's, he's got friends who are like first one on deck at practice, pushing themselves really hard. Can't wait to go to this tournament. And I think you're, as parents, sometimes we, we feel that need to like push them so hard because we see, we see talent. Sure. He can throw a ball or he can, you know, he's fast runner, but with that talent, there also has to be a drive. And if the drive isn't there, it's really challenging as a parent to just back off because even if they're amazingly good at something, they still have to want to do it. So these are the things I think in the high school years that are the most challenging because this is really the time where you just got to back off. Like you got to back off and you got to let them be who they're going to be. Um, and it's hard. It's super hard because you see them making, you know, mistakes or making bad choices or, uh, you know, missing opportunities. But every time you rush in and save them, and I, I think I read this in that book somewhere, but every time you rush in and save them, it sends a message to themselves that they can't do it themselves. And isn't that love and logic? I think that's parenting with love and logic. Yes, it's um, Parenting with Love and Logic is, is a book that I love. And I actually got it for my, um, when my five-year-old was two and was insane. Um, and I, I started reading it and it was actually much more applicable for my teenager. Um, but yeah, it's every time, every time you step in and do something for them and stop them from making that mistake, it just sends the message, you can't do this yourself. I need to do it for you. And Imagine if, you know, put yourself in, in their shoes and imagine how that would feel if you were constantly being, uh, you know, under, undermined and, and told, nope, let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. So, I mean, I think especially in the high school years, the greatest thing that you can do is just let them mess up, just let them fail. <laughs> just let yeah. them fail well, and let them dig themselves back out of it. Because there because is that's the only way. I mean, it gets a little bit tricky, I think, as kids get older, you know, but there is it is sort of still this safety net. Like you can fail a class and then you get put in summer school and you can make it up. And so uh, yeah, I agree. There was a it was something it, it can't, I thought about this uh when you were talking a little bit ago too. There's this article kind of going around Facebook about not to be a lawnmower parent, which was like helicopter parent graduated like if you helicopter parents was like for younger kids but a lawnmower parent was for older kids and it really is like mowing through all their problems so that they don't have to face any yeah yeah I think I read that yeah it just reminded me of that that the goal is sort of to that we need to let them be able to fail 
and figure it out. And and yeah, and I said it before, you got to think of all of those failures and all those bad decisions and all those mistakes are just one step in the staircase. You know, it's one rung in the ladder. Every time you mess up, that's just one more thing that you're going to do better next time. Right? Right. Well, and I read... Every time, uh, yeah. At some point, like the... The, your brain doesn't even fully develop until you're like 26. I think it, for boys, especially too, it's something like that. Like you're the front of your brain. So it really is all about learning. I mean, there's things that I did as a kid I would never do now. And it's really part of just figuring, like continuing to grow. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. I just, I, that's been my, my main goal or that was my main goal in high school was just, you know what? I've got this kid who is going to, be in college and I don't want to have a college kid that you know I, you don't want to set them up for failure you don't want to do everything and babysit them with their homework and babysit them with studying and babysit them with this and then all towards the goal of getting them into college and then have them get to college and fail because they don't have mommy there staying on top of them you know our goal as parents is to raise functioning adults and becoming a functioning adult you know it's you gotta take some failure and there's some failure in that sometimes you just have to stop and just go back to your own high school years and remember what it was like to be in high school or you know when when your high schooler has conflict with other friends and as a parent you're like what the hell that's so dumb but you know you have to stop and say yes okay this is a big deal to you it seems trivial but it's a big deal to you um or I just, I don't know. I, so often I find myself like, okay, stop, give him a little bit of credit. Remember what you were like as a kid, you know, Don and I had that conversation all the time when he would do something just so dumb or whatever. And, you know, I would, we would stop and I would say, you know, I would have done the same thing if I was in high school. So you have to put yourself back in your own you know, your own high school shoes and think about who you were and your maturity level and whatnot in high school and look at them through that lens instead of the lens of this is what you're supposed to do. This is the right thing. This is how you should act. You know, these, these teenagers are not fully formed humans. <laughs> they're, they're a little rough around the edges. They're still not quite done cooking. And even though sometimes they're bigger than us and taller than us and they're covered in hair and they have deep voices, they're still just giant little kids who do dumb stuff. And it's high school years are tough when it comes to that. It's tough when you're looking at this like six foot tall man child who (laughs) looks like a man and sounds like a man, but it's just a little kid. So, you know, on the one hand, you have to give them as much responsibility as you can. But then on the other hand, you know, when they mess up, you got to just let it be because they're still growing and they're still learning and they still really are pretty immature and undercooked even throughout high school. Well, I think that that was a really lovely way to wrap up our conversation. So thank you. That's what I was going for. Thank you very much (laughs) for talking to me about high school. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Boys Build Better. If you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button so you get notifications when we release a new episode. And while you're on your podcast player, leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. 
Until next time, head on over to boysbuiltbetter.com and check out our other content. Thanks for listening.